For years, security experts have talked about the need to quote unquote clean up the internet, but we aren't heeding the advice. The truth is we are failing at maintaining adequate standards for internet hygiene. And as this week's international takedown of the Game Over Zeus botnet proves, without significant grassroots efforts to clean up PCs and websites, law enforcement's accomplishments in these types of takedowns will be short-lived. Here, Tom Kellerman of security firm Trend Micro and Rod Rasmussen of the security firm IID and a leader in the anti-phishing working group discuss why the so-called internet hygiene is so poor and steps we are failing to take to clean it up. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. Tom and Rod, when we talk about the hygiene of the internet, what first comes to mind? Well, first, the reality is that many users don't feel like they'll be targeted by cybercrime. Uh, they're not really cognizant that the internet is actually a hostile environment uh, filled with criminality and law enforcement does not control the landscape. Uh, you should recognize and appreciate that prosecution rates of the FBI in cyberspace are less than 2%, yet it's the number one criminal priority for the FBI. We also need to appreciate the fact that many individuals are susceptible to social engineering and or spear phishing attacks when they are coaxed or manipulated into clicking on a link or downloading an attachment, which allows for a payload or a crime kit, in this case, Zeus, Game Over Zeus, to be installed on a machine that would bypass the firewalls and virus scanners that are placed on the machine. So for me, I guess uh, one word that comes to mind when you say internet hygiene is oxymoron. The hygiene of the internet is very poor in general. And it comes from myriad things, mainly because it's full of human beings, I think, to start with. But we're all working on a system that was built from the ground up for a different purpose than it's serving today. And you now have all of human activity on a network which was designed more for communications between researchers and, and the Defense Department. Now is being used for e-commerce, and along with e-commerce came along e-crime. So we're trying to retrofit the Internet in flight to be able to handle the onslaught of things like botnets or DDoS attacks or all of the other things that are going on where, where the very fundamental structure of the Internet itself is being used against itself in order to perpetuate all kinds of uh, nasty activities. And it's going to take a while to make the Internet a lot cleaner place to, and safer place to operate. Tom, I opened this discussion with mention of the Game Over Zeus botnet which, of course, domestic and international investigators say was fueled by the infection and takeover of upwards of one million Windows-based machines throughout the globe since 2011. Game Over Zeus, known simply as Gauze, is good at evading traditional antivirus and malware detection. Tom, what does the massive spread of Gauze tell us about the current state of Internet hygiene? Well, what it tells us is that traditional criminals have moved heavily into cyberspace and it is not their intent or desire to destroy your machine or to knock your machine offline. It's their desire to maintain a presence on your machine and slowly steal your credentials, your money, and your secrets at will. Individuals as a whole need to begin to appreciate that when their machine says critical update, they must download it immediately. They should appreciate that Wi-Fi in a public space is vulnerable to criminality. And they appreciate that you need anti-malware, virus scanners, and firewalls on your machine, even if you do have an Apple, uh, because there is a marketplace, and ours are capabilities out there, that is producing over 220,000 pieces of malware or attack code like Zeus on a daily basis. Albeit not all of this malware is as significant, we need to appreciate uh, the construct that we exist in and in a cyberspace that is truly lawless. And then, Tom and Rod, this is a question I'd like to pose to both of you. 
How was Game Over Zeus able to infect so many PCs, you think? Is it this social engineering piece, perhaps, Rod, that you talked about that's really helped to facilitate its growth? Sure, I think the social engineering part is a, is a large factor. The people behind DAWs were very good at uh, creating lures that target their victims very well. You could have all the, the various pieces of software and protection and things on your computers you want. I can usually create something to get around those, but I still have to have a human being say, yes, run this program or what have you in order to infect it in uh, a large portion of the cases. So, the social engineering aspect is, is really key. I mean, the other side is the technology involved and in that you have some of the most sophisticated malware out there behind this and they were able to engineer things to avoid detection probably in a better rate than other kinds of software and keep ahead of, of some of the more traditional defenses. So it's a combination of things. But when you have uh, lures that target you as the uh, controller of a company very well, uh, you're more likely to get infected with it, and the bad guys know how to do that. And I would liken it to an apartment building in the Bronx. Essentially, your superintendent is nefarious, and the superintendent has not only stolen the key to your apartment, but by having a presence within your apartment and the building, can therein use the same attack code or Zeus as a master key to open up every other computer that you are connected with and or to create these lures or social engineering techniques, these spear phishing attacks that would emanate from your computer to target others. And so we need to appreciate what a botnet is. And that's essentially an army of computers that are working as puppets for some cyber puppet master. And these computers can be told to do a multiplicity of things, but most importantly, the desire of this cyber criminal spread uh, the infection to as many computers that are trusted by the initial source of infection. Right, I'd like to go back to you for a moment. The Anti-Phishing Working Group has published numerous reports in recent years about this ongoing evolution of phishing attacks, which of course comes back to the social engineering piece that we've discussed. So how does this massive spreading of gauze illustrate why we are failing at keeping up with phishing trends? Well, it's, we're always on defense, and that's, that's the number one issue. And you know, The spread of malware is, is similar to phishing, or phishing gets you to go to a fake website and enter your credentials of malware here. kind of gets you around the problem of falling for a fake website. It just uh, gets the, the uh, code on your computer to make it communicate with uh, the bad guy server when you actually are going to the real website. So it's, uh, it's a little bit different trick on it. But the evolution as we see phishing trends change over time, it's hard to keep up with for anybody, much less the average person on the street. But one of the things that we're seeing too is that you have people not you know, installing updates, patches, etc. as Tom mentioned earlier. And the ISPs and others that are trying to keep you know play defense on behalf of their users while you know, making efforts to keep up, that's not their necessarily their primary task to do. So it's difficult to stay on top of the very latest trends to defend against things unless you have a very vested interest in doing so. For example, if you're uh, running a government lab or something like that, you might have a bigger incentive to stay on top of latest trends rather than as a, the average consumer or small business owner out there. And so, Rod, would you say that it's really maybe this lacking incentive that has really hindered our ability to stop some of these socially engineered schemes? Um, yeah, that's certainly part of it, and that you know, people don't necessarily realize that they're being targeted. Game Over Zeus really is a great example of all the kind of banking malware has, has trended towards this. Is the, the bad guys have learned how to target very well. So instead of getting an email for a bank that I don't belong to, even though that's still sent out there, 
I get a uh, notice from NACHA or from uh, a processing bank or something like that, something that I would do as my job. So I'm much more likely to click on that. The refinement of the techniques and the better targeting of victims has, has, has really been exemplified by this case. The other side is if you take a look at CryptoLocker, same infrastructure being used, uh, yet the, what they were able to do there is say, okay, well, I've got victims now. I can just, uh, they're not the controller of a, of a company or an employee of a bank, but they are, they do have 500 bucks in their credit card. So I'm going to encrypt all their files, you know, extort money from them. So they're better utilizing their, I guess, differentiating their targeting based on who they've managed to infect. So, you know, that's how they continue to have, you know, success, even though, you know, we may be stopping more and more spam with our technology and blocking more things, well, they just increase their efforts and do a better job targeting. And Rob, would you say that most phishing attacks are waged for financial gain, such as account takeover? Yeah, well, when you're talking financial account takeover, um, I think that we're still seeing, as far as phishing attacks, that that is the case. We have seen a lot of diversity of late in uh, what uh, is being targeted. We have, uh, for example, a lot of uh, uh, account takeover in online gaming space, which may or may not be directly involved with financial gain. Sometimes it is when people can sell off those access accounts, but other times it's for um, being able to, to just take things over. The other major exception to that, and it's not from a volume perspective, it's from an impact perspective, is more of your espionage kinds of phishing attacks where you have very highly targeted spear phishing, and that could be targeted by a state actor against another state or uh, industries within that country. We saw the FBI's most wanted list now has civil officers in the Chinese army and it's uh, on, at the top of it for their alleged hacking. And then you also have people looking into its own citizens, trying to get them to install uh, surveillance programs and the like onto their computers. So we're seeing a change in how phishing attacks are being used, uh, but the sheer volume of it is still for financial gain. So this is a question for both of you, Rod and Tom. Is this a problem that the financial industry should be taking a lead in resolving? So this is Rod. I think that the financial industry has, to some extent, taken on this problem, they could, I think, do a lot more. Uh, with the evolution of the attacks that we're seeing, it is a shared responsibility, though, where you do have uh, any industry being targeted and you have uh, you know, uh, people who are being attacked because of their political beliefs and things like that. So it's not just the financial industry's bailiwick anymore. But certainly, I think there's more that could be done as far as getting information shared between the financial industry and, say, ISPs and security companies and people who know where infections are and things like that so that you could have a uh, better notification and, and anti-fraud type of uh, setup where uh, people who get infected with computer or get their computers infected may get alerts from their banks and have uh, you know, transactions uh, scrutinized or, or um, blocked based on this you know, higher suspicion level, things like that. So I would suggest that in agreement with that, that greater information sharing needs to occur, but also greater information sharing to their constituencies as a whole. I think in large part, the financial institutions since the e-financial movement of the late 1990s have moved away from the critical mission focus of preserving safety and soundness and trust and confidence in the assets of their users. And they've done that by over-relying on encryption to protect their users' accounts. We need to respect the reality that the cyber criminals in Eastern Europe and in South America can create Trojans and malware like Zeus that can bypass perimeter defenses. 
And in doing so, we need to respect the fact that social engineering is effective because we cannot authenticate users uh, because of the lack of the implementation, widespread implementation of DMARC, which I think is fundamental. In addition to that, uh, the theft of credentials is far too easy uh, with the existing use of passwords and nearly multi-factor authentication schemes. We have to move to two-factor authentication. We have to implement DMARC. And we have to have a way in which we can notify and alert customers that either their devices are compromised or that their devices are under siege because in their area of the world, uh, there is massive criminal activity that is attempting to heist that bank. And I completely agree with that, Tom. Thomas is a good point that you make about DMARC, and actually I did want to get some perspective from both you and Rod about some of the different initiatives that are out there. You know, have we not been approaching the problem in the right way, or are there different ways to approach the problem that we really haven't been giving enough attention to? And I was thinking one of these ways could be that we haven't seen widespread adoption of DMARC or something like that. Not just social engineering, social engineering itself has evolved, not just in terms of using spear phishing to target users and attack them, but to recognize and appreciate that watering hole attacks are flourishing as well. And that's when actually pages within websites have been compromised specific to user sets and those websites themselves, trusted financial websites and others, as we've seen a dramatic increase in Brazil, um, are now attacking their constituencies. And so I think the protection of the larger ecosystem from social engineering and not merely looking at um, spear phishing and email-based attacks as the only conduit to be conned, but also at the application of mobile attacks through SMS or smishing, application-based attacks, and attacks on the websites themselves, and the use of those websites to social engineer and drive traffic to criminals is, is of paramount importance as well. Yeah, I'll build on top of that. I mean, just speaking on DMARC itself, I, I was actually fairly skeptical of it when it first came out. Um, but we've been able to, through partners that we've been working with, see really good results being able to detect a lot of attacks, flights. I, I highly uh, uh, encourage, especially the attack brands, to adopt DMARC as a pretty effective tool, at least addressing some of these issues. I also see we have, and I mentioned earlier that the internet infrastructure itself has got lots of issues. We have uh, issues with the security of the DNS itself, which DNSSEC, which has got paltry adoption, unfortunately addresses that handle some of those things like uh, Wi-Fi access point issues and the like that people are susceptible to. We have issues around authenticated routing, which you know, we're still trying to figure out how to even address that. But those efforts are not really progressing very quickly at all as far as you know, problems that we've known about for years and years. We have best practices around uh, anti-spoofing. So you know, this would allow these massive DDoS attacks we've seen over the last year to proliferate and really expand as that, you know, you don't even know for sure that the IP address that is uh, is appearing somewhere really is the one that's trying to talk to you. And this, this gets to fundamental hygiene in the internet itself. And we've got to do a much better job at the, at the ISP level, at the, at the carrier level, et cetera, around protecting on that. And my final thought, too, is around browser hardening. Uh, the endpoints themselves got an emphasis on functionality and features and not a whole lot on, on doing things to keep applications from automatically installing and doing things like that when you visit a, a watering hole or uh, some sort of other exploit site. The, 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 uh, 
and the rush to mobile is really going to exacerbate that in, the, in future years here as those devices have you know, less uh, capability in, 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 to some extent of being able to add protection services. So that stuff needs to be engineered in. Existing applications on the, on the OS needs to happen as a, as a default, not as an, as an option. I completely agree wholeheartedly. And those would be my uh, Christmas wishes for this coming year. But unfortunately, I think there's a Scrooge in the house, and that is because security is still viewed as an expense versus the functionality of, of doing business in a hostile internet. We've talked a lot about some of the technical issues that could be uh, addressed here, as well as solutions from a technical point of view that could help to address some of the concerns that we see. But this is not just entirely a technology issue, and Tom, this is something that you've you've talked about quite a bit. In fact, you've talked about the need for more international law enforcement cooperation as well as the ability for banking institutions to collaborate more with ISPs to readily identify botnets and then take them down. You argue that internet hygiene is a policy issue in many ways. Can you explain what your perspective is there? Yes, I'm a huge proponent of the Australian approach uh, in that if your computer is compromised and it's been known to attack other computers, looks um, like a wild rabid dog in your neighborhood, the neighborhood itself has to react and at least talk to the owner and let the owner know that their dog is running loose and rabid. So ISP should take a, a more forward-leaning approach to notification of consumers when their computers are acting as parts of these botnets and acting criminally, regardless of whether it's the user's fault or not. In addition, the same ISP should be providing security solutions or referring these users to solutions that would clean up their machines so they don't set the rest of the neighborhood on fire. Um, this is also coupled and compounded with the reality that it's far too difficult for an institution, financial institution, and or a corporation, vis-a-vis uh, -vis time and difficulty, to write the cease and desist letter necessary to sinkhole or shut down uh, malicious IP ranges that are attacking that institution. There should be some sort of uh, streamlined mechanism to achieve that. And then finally, we need to appreciate that hackers, the best hackers in the world, are involved in hacking because uh, the shadow economy of Eastern Europe has essentially become the new Silicon Valley. There's a lot of money in it. There's a tremendous amount of money on it, billions and billions of dollars. And that being said, all of that money that is stolen and or uh, traded as professional services in that community is laundered outside of the financial sector through anonymous payment channels and digital currencies. And yet none of these entities are regulated. And even if they are shut down, as in the case of Liberty Reserve, None of those uh, monies are actually forfeited, and they could easily be forfeited for the cause of greater cybersecurity. So I would challenge policymakers and the financial institutions of the world to recognize and appreciate that, A, you're losing your retail customer base to these anonymous payment channels and digital currencies. Uh, at the same time that you're being all 90% of bank heists are occurring in cyberspace, and the money that was stolen from you last night is being laundered through these same mechanisms. So there's a three-legged stool of hacking that needs to be dealt with, not just the leg of the hackers themselves or the bulletproof hosts, but the leg of the anonymous payment channels. It's fundamental in order for us to put pressure on the underground. And then before we close, are there any final thoughts that either one of you would like to share? I would like to stress that going back to maintaining safety and soundness and trust and confidence, it will be a tremendous differentiator to financial institutions in the world to begin to appreciate that the greater attention and greater investments they spend in cybersecurity and in cybersecurity personnel, the greater the return in the marketplace will be. And maintaining trust and confidence should be of paramount importance, but encryption alone will not achieve this goal. So that being said, I look forward to the day where my financial institution 
offers me two-factor authentication and offers me the capacity to authenticate my email transactions with them through GMARC. So I'd like to just point out that this Game Over Zeus uh, crypto locker announcement culminated a long-term multi-year uh, investigation of many, many uh, law enforcement agencies around the world, security companies, researchers, ISPs, etc., all working together, sharing information, doing a lot to help each other out to understand the scope of the problem, uh, the origins of the problem, uh, being creative about how to go about it. This is an ex a model example of, of how to go after uh, a, a enterprise like this. And from all reports, the uh, suspect is uh, uh, on the run, so to speak, uh, even though he's in Russia. This needs to be an inspiration for all of us, echo what Tom said there, in that we have a uh, much greater level of awareness and act activities we need to be doing in order to take on these issues and working together and making those things happen on a much broader scale is what we should take as an inspiration from this particular incident so that we can really up our games overall throughout the entire, not just financial sector, but everything that touches the internet itself. I'd like to thank both of you again for your time this afternoon. Again, we've just heard from Tom Kellerman and Rod Rasmussen. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.